Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Oh my goodness. How was your evening? Oh, it was fine. I I was just at home. I did not do anything worth talking about or and I barely stayed up till midnight. Oh. We made it till it? we made it till midnight, but we were kind of the same thing. Like it was pretty pretty low key. Ava was originally supposed to go to a party well not even a party just like a friend's house so she went I dropped her off early in the afternoon and then at like 10 like I don't even know maybe 9 30 she was like can you come get me Uh I like want to come home I was Uh like yeah I secretly love that so I was just like I'm on my way (laughs) say less yeah yeah so yeah it was it was nice we made it till new till midnight and then I slept till eight this morning. It was wonderful. Awesome. Yeah. 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 I hung out with my sisters yesterday during the day, which was nice. But um, yeah, with the baby, it's like she goes to bed at seven. So yeah. So you got to, you know, she still has to wake up at a normal time. <laughs> she still has to wake up at five, which is when she wakes up. Yeah. She's a little early bird. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Um, well, welcome to the podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Haley. And we are, so this is the second part of um, us just reintroducing ourselves and retelling our own kind of journeys. We had a podcast question a couple weeks back where someone asked, we would interview normal stylists who had built their business like from the ground up. And then Haley and I realized that people really didn't know that much about us because that's who we are. <laughs> So we are planning on having some guests on other stylists who have done the same thing, Um, but we just thought it was important to just reshare our journeys and who we are so you don't feel like we've always had this booming, incredible business because that was just not the case at all. (laughs) No. While you were retelling your story when we recorded... um... There was like things that popped up for me too that I almost forgot along the way. Yeah. And I bet I bet other stylists who maybe are a little bit further on their journey kind of feel the same way with us. Yeah. It's wild how much you forget and how much um how much progress <laughs> you've made that you're just like you just push forward so hard that it's, it's nice to reflect sometimes. Yeah. Well, and even too, like in a relatively short time frame, right. I mean, looking back, I've been doing hair for 16 years or 17 years. I don't remember, but a long time. And I think 16 years, it'll be this summer. And I've only been doing extensions since 2017, you know what I mean? So I think that will be six years coming up. So it's like in in the reflection of looking at your business, <clears throat> it happened quickly, right? I mean, relatively. I mean, I guess you d- it depends what you define quickly, but to transform your business in a matter of, you know, two years is about what I would say it took me 
looking back, it's like, holy cow, you know what I mean? And I just, I don't think we give ourselves enough credit with what we could potentially do when we do buckle down and, and actually put our mind to something. Yeah. And I think too, like looking back at my own story, you know, I kind of realized that some of the steps along the way that weren't necessarily where I thought I wanted to be were actually major, you mm. know, in yeah. the timeline. Um, I'll just dive right in. I, yeah, I, started, I started hair school in 2009. So, you know, I just went to a normal hair school, nothing fancy. Um, I got pregnant with my son during hair school so it took me a little bit longer but then how old were you in 2009 so in 2009 so I was 23 okay 23 um 23 um so yeah I was young I never really wanted to do hair I literally was just obsessed with makeup and just being the cutest version of me because I didn't feel that cute when I was little. So once I discovered makeup, I was just really excited by the power of um, makeup. So I went to traditional college on and off for about three and a half years um, outside of high school and just didn't really have any focus. I had my daughter in that time frame. Um, and then it kind of just got to a point where I was like, I need to, you know, my, my mom kind of started to cut me off a little bit. Financially. Yeah. Yeah. Not that she was, I mean, I was always working. I was always bartending, serving. I had my own apartment. Um, but she, I think she was just more getting kind of frustrated with me because I obviously had no real goal with traditional college. Um, and then my husband and I moved in to about a year before I had my son and started hair school. And he kind of really encouraged me to like, yeah, figure out something to do for the rest of your life. Yeah. So that's when I went to hair school and sorry if you can hear my baby screaming. That's okay. She can scream. Um, so I went into hair school and graduated and so I had two kids. One, Mikey was like, I think, 10 months old when I graduated. And I was just so desperate to work anywhere. I knew at that point that hair was a better option than makeup for me just because I I started to like it. And I understood color yeah. really, really well in hair school, which was like, it kind of stood out. So, but I wasn't, it, obviously I was shitty at hair so I had no experience (laughs) (laughs) so I was looking to actually either um intern or assist with like anyone I did not at all like want to just start doing hair and so I went to a couple salons um and then I ended up at a salon with it was a, a well-known salon, like not exactly in the area I'm in, but just kind of outside of it. Um, you know, like a community salon that everybody knew. Yeah. And it was pretty big. And I really wanted to assist the owner, but she didn't have, she wasn't having an assistant at the time. So she just put me on commission to 
to like the only chair she had open. Um, and luckily that salon was busy enough, like within that community that I got pretty much all the walk-ins that they had. So I took just anyone and everyone. And that was really good for me. Really good for me. Um, and there was, I think there was 12 girls in that salon and I was the youngest by like 15 years probably oh my gosh you were the baby I I was the baby and it's not like I was you know I was like 24 25 so it's not like I was like 17 um but that was really really good for me and a lot of those girls really helped me and I got to see how things worked in a functioning salon you know it um it was really awesome and in the meantime, while well, I kind of, I think I was there like two days a week, maybe. Um, I was doing a lot of weddings because I was still doing makeup. So I would do wedding hair and wedding makeup quite a bit. Mm. And so I started to really network within that uh, community of stylists. And that's a very, very tight community of stylists in any given like geographical area. I don't know if anyone listening has ever done a ton of wedding or event um hair and makeup like on site but if you have you know you run into the same hair and makeup artists over and over and over again yeah it's like a small it's kind of like extensions right it's a relatively small community once you're inside of it yep yep exactly so I started to get to know some of those girls which was great I I literally just ran into one of them last month um I did my client's my long-term client's hair for her um, wedding. She had me come and do it. And I was happy to do that. But it was the makeup artist that I'd worked with before. It was so funny. Um, and I didn't even know that. It's not like I referred her or anything. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was really cool. And through doing that, I actually got hooked up with a woman who does uh, boudoir photography. And... Um, She's pretty like nationally known and she would have a lot of people fly in. I mean, she's just incredible. Um, So I was like her main session stylist for maybe like three years. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was where I honestly like learned a big chunk of how I still um, function and interact with clients in the salon today. Because that was such a, um, you know, obviously boudoir is a very personal, intimate um, type of photography. And she really trained me and helped mold me into being someone that these women who are very nervous feel comfortable with. So that was just so instrumental to me. Like, I am forever grateful. Um, And yeah, we just clicked. I did like hair exactly the way she liked it. I also, I mean, she taught me how to, so essentially with this type of session styling, she had a whole building that was hers that she used for the photography. So she would have me and the makeup artist show up um, beforehand and we would essentially greet and kind of comfort and get the client situated and um, get them, you know, something to drink have them sit down we would start working on them and then about an hour into that when we were wrapping up she would show up and kind of introduce herself and then we would leave Hmm. so 
honestly, looking back now, it functioned a lot like how, you know, an assistant to an extension stylist yeah. would kind of do things. Um, and yeah, it was just, I mean, the further time goes along, the more I'm really grateful for that experience. And to this day, I have several clients that I met doing their um, hair. Really? Yeah. Um, You know, these are women who liked nice things, obviously. I mean, these sessions were anywhere from like two to $6,000. So it's kind of like an extension um, appointment. And yeah, you know, these were women who had done their research. They wanted the best. photographer they took a lot of time to plan out you know the outfits and all of this and um yeah yeah it was just a really it was really neat so if you ever I mean honestly I think sometimes we get our eye on the prize and we shut out other experiences along Mm -hmm. the way um but yeah I would definitely encourage people if you're still building to do something like session styling or even event styling because you meet so many great people Um, so yeah, I did that for a very long time while I was still at my first salon and then I was kind of looking into, I got, I, I didn't understand that I was doing this at the time, but looking back, it's, I guess it's what I was doing. I started to realize that I needed to like set myself apart in some way. Mm. Um, and so I zeroed in on smoothing services. So I have really like wacky hair that is, doesn't do well with like a lot of heat styling and, but also needs the most heat styling. So, um, I got really interested in like Brazilian blowouts and things like that. And I started, um, applying for or trying to figure out how to do education for a company called Keratin Complex. And I had our local, um, like, what is it called? Uh, like, re- or not, product rep. You know how there's different reps for... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So um, the local rep at the time who was selling Keratin Complex, her and I, like, really clicked. And she just... You know, the more people I talk to, the more people are like, oh, yeah, I love her. She thought I was so special, too. I'm like, Lisa, do you think everyone's special? (laughs) She, like, told me I was, like, special. And I genuinely, we clicked. I loved her. Um, I still love her to this day. But she was like, I think you would be really great at educating. Like, you're really passionate about this specific system. And um, I was, like, getting a lot of my clients to do it because it was so beneficial. It was genuinely a great product, a great system. Um, and I was seeing like results even with just their shampoo and conditioner. So I was just like really, really, really excited about it. So she kind of walked me through the process of applying and then interviewing to do education with them. And, um, I got hired and that was, I think the first really exciting breakthrough moment I'd ever had um where I realized like oh shit like you can really do like the sky is the limit truly Mm. because I was like I said I was working in a salon with like a bunch of older women and 
you know, they didn't understand what I was doing or maybe they just didn't really, I don't know. It was like, I knew how exciting it was that I was trying to take myself and kind of specialize or set myself apart. And, um, I could just, I just knew I didn't want to, no offense to like them, but I knew I didn't want to just like be in a salon, like cutting Gertrude's hair, you know, yeah. until I was like 60. So, um, and <laughs> this is so funny looking back. Cause like, I don't even know, but Keratin Complex hired me as an educator. And then there was probably like eight of us, 10 of us, maybe nationally who they had hired and um they did like a train the trainer essentially or like a educator oh yeah yeah, yeah. training and flew us all into um Boca Raton Florida which is like ritzy fancy part of Florida um all expenses paid like literally like I got on a plane I didn't even book my own ticket stayed in a really nice room, um, with a girl named Melissa who was from New Jersey. Like we all had like one roommate, but like, it was just, it was just the first time. Number one, Mm -hmm. it was the first time I'd really traveled like that for hair. And it was like, they were investing in me, Mm. which was an insane feeling. Like I was like, oh shit. Like I was (laughs) literally just, my mind was blown. Um, but it, it gave me something that I took with me forever too, which is like, yeah, you can, you can be who you want to be, or you can set yourself apart. Well, which Hannah, not to interrupt, but I also think it's important for you to (laughs) reiterate, like they were also investing back into you, Mm -hmm. which is something that, within the extension worlds I don't know that that happens quite as much right like the stylists are investing so much into the extension companies that they're working with but they don't necessarily get any of that investment back right like think of how many times you went out and did you know trips or things that you're like "Hmm, I, I probably my flight probably should have been covered for that you know what I mean yeah Um, so just like something to keep in mind, like, cause I think that's a really interesting and important part of your story where you're like somebody, it was like the first time someone else believed in me and somebody else invested back into me. And I can see where that would be such a monumental moment for you as a stylist and, and the way that you're going to approach and look at your career. Yeah. They gave me the gift of showing, of, um, of showing what investing in yourself or investing in your brand looks like. So mm-hmm. even though, you know, I wasn't the creator of Keratin Complex, I was onboarded as a part of their brand and they were committed to investing in their brand at whatever that took. And I happened to be a part of that. Yeah. Um, and it did make me feel really special and it, it's kind of set the bar for me and the other, you know, handful of, um, educators that they brought in. Um, and like I said, we were in a really, really nice hotel. It was a a beautiful experience. Um, and I learned a lot too. So I think we did like four days of like all day education. I mean, it was like pretty intense. Yeah. And 
So when I came home, I was, you know, really excited and kind of high on that experience. (laughs) Now here's where I learned a lot about, I learned a lot about business through, um, through this experience. And it, it just taught me a lot about how things work in the hair industry as far as education, traditional education with brands goes. Mm, yeah. I, and I didn't know any of this before. Um, so what happens a lot of times they will invest in their educators in this way and uh, train them really well and get them set up. But then they kind of flip, flip you out into the world and you are in charge of like booking your own uh, classes. So like they get submissions for, um, they get like inquiries where somebody wants like a smoothing system class through Keratin Complex. So I would get submitted all those within a certain region and I had to reach back out and set up all the dates and everything. And then, um, you know, of course, prepare for the class, let them know what size I can accommodate, blah, 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 and then submit that to the brand. And then the day of, I am in charge of going to set up, which was like an hour, um, doing the actual class, which was usually a three hour class and then tearing down, which was another hour. So it's like a five hour um, in salon commitment, not to mention, you know, where I was driving to was usually an hour from my house. Yeah. So overall it would be like a seven hour day and, um, they will, and this probably still stands true to this day, which is why education is now more in the hands of individual stylists because they would pay their educators anywhere between 150 to $250 for that whole day. Oh, so I did three of, I did three education classes and then I literally like chuck the deuces and I had like a very kind of um just real conversation with one of the the women in the company and was like I can't do this like this is not I, I literally don't know what is happening here but like and and they sell it to you in a very mm. kind of fucked up way where they're like you know um this is just making extra money on your day off I'm like if I'm working that's not my day off so like a lot of the verbiage that's how they would sell it to you yeah absolutely absolutely if you're an educator it's just a a way to elevate yourself and make extra money on your day off I'm like my day off number one I have days off or should and number two if I have a Monday off and I'm doing education for you that's not a day off (laughs) okay well take back what I said earlier because it just goes to show you that educating for somebody else it's never worth it that's what I'm saying too so it was like even if they are freaking investing in you that's so annoying I'm mad now yeah no and that's the thing too is I learned that lesson where you know they invested in me in this it's almost being in like an abusive relationship kind of where somebody like wines and dines you and treats (laughs) you right you know what I mean and then like commit and become their girlfriend or wife and then they start like you know beating you and you're like oh crap so yeah I did three three or four classes with them um and and then I just pretty much was like hey I love this um system and this product this you guys have been great to me but like this isn't sustainable and I I don't know why you would invest so much money on the front end on people Mm -hmm. not put me in a contract that says I have to do anything and 
and then try to pay me $150 for a seven hour day, you know? Yeah. Um, well, Cause even here's the thing, <laughs> like, even if you didn't, even if your business wasn't where it is today, you know, this $150 isn't worth all of that. No, I remember exactly how much I was like making at the time. Like, not exactly, but the session styling I was doing, which took literally an hour of my time, I was getting paid like 70 or 80 bucks for. So yeah. it's like if I could, and then usually those women would tip me, you know, let's say, so maybe I'd make a hundred dollars. Right. Right. But you know, I could easily go and do, and I would try to set my session styling up like right before I started my work day. So like on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I would do um, a session styling for this lady at like nine, let's say, and then I would go into work at like 1030 or whatever. So it was like, if I can make even $70 in an yeah. hour and make it work with my schedule. Yeah. I'm going to do that. Like now, no, I wouldn't. But like back then, even 150 or two, I think the most I made was $250 and it was at a salon, like almost two hours away from me. And I got home at the end of the day. And then you have to, another thing I forgot, it's such a nightmare. I don't know how any of this like ever made any sense. Um, but then as an educator, once you get home, you have to send out surveys. So mm-hmm. you have to like email surveys to see how you did. And then you had to log all your like mileage and like any like extra whatever that you had. Like there was a couple times where I had to make like a bazillion copies of something at like a Kinko's. And so I had to like get that receipt and like email that in. Like it was just a disaster. And then, yeah, you get paid. So I think they really like, I think this used to work when people and had a need to really inflate their own ego and like be pumped up in a way. And when they used to really like, I guess some people still do this. I just didn't give a fuck, but like, I think they used to really like ride on the idea that like, but you're an educator. So like, that should be like, that's kind of like their form of payment is like, you get to be this like, you get to tell everyone that you're elevated and that you, you are at the top of things. And I'm like, well, I don't really care about that. Like I want to be paid. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Sup. Hi, sorry. I lost you. I'm not sure what happened. I could hear you the whole time. And I was like chiming in too. I was like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll keep it then in the recording and just cut it off where I started a new episode. Okay. Or, well, you may, I don't know if you'll be able to like hear me since you couldn't hear it on your end. So maybe just like listen back and see. But I was just saying like, it's still like that to this day with education, right? Like that's how I, I think it's still positioned where you, you get quote unquote I hate the word clout, but it's like the the word right now for credibility, right? Being an educator for a company, but what, you know, maybe other stylists don't know or clients definitely don't know is that a lot of times it's it's not worth your time and effort. It's more work on you or you're getting taken advantage of as the educator, but it looks good in your Instagram bio. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> so that's what 
that's basically exactly what happened is once I found out and, you know, I had never seen that back end of that world. Like I, I'd, I'd never been, I mean, at this point I'd only been doing hair for five years maybe. Um, but I didn't know, I didn't have like a, a community of stylists that I was super close with when it, within hair, I had, you know, some session stylists, like friends and then some older stylists who were at my salon, but no one that was really, um, like gearing themselves towards being kind of like a niche stylist in ways. So I just didn't know. I literally (laughs) did not know. Um, so it was so, it was such a great roller coaster looking back because it was like, they did it right as a business. You know, they, um, pumped me up. They like wine and dined me. They made me feel special. <laughs> they fed my ego. And then they were like, now you work for us. So, um, but luckily I wasn't in any crazy like contract or anything with them. I think I still had to complete like one more class. Um, you didn't sign an NDA. No, 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 <laughs> no. Thank God. <laughs> um, and then I just dropped off like the face of the earth from them basically. Yeah. Um, but I learned a lot and I saw, I got to see how education worked, at least with big brands. And, and what was cool is they like trained me how to do in-class education too. So, um, that was definitely a skill that I could take forward and utilize just in different ways, or at least have like some of those leadership, um, like personality traits kind of like start to really like stew inside of me. Totally. Um, so I did that. That was, like I said, 2015-ish. Um, and then... How many days a week were you working? How many, like, at this point? So at this point, I was working probably three or four days a week. Um, and I was pretty busy for the most part at my first salon I was at. So, um... I was doing mostly, mostly haircuts with, I would say like 50, 50 haircuts in color, but I did, um, men's cuts. I did women's cuts. And then I wasn't doing any like crazy coloring at this time, just like highlights, um, and like, you know, base retouches and then like some, maybe like some vivids here and there. But not yeah. anything like really, really crazy. And my pricing was all kind of based off of the pricing of the older stylist that I was around, which was good at the time because um, it kind of pushed me to have like, you know, these women can make a living off of what they were doing. So um, yeah, my pricing was like, I mean, for 2014 and 15, it was like decent. Like a root retouch was probably like, $45 or something. Um, but I was doing okay. I was doing okay. Yeah. Um, and in that time frame, I had transitioned from a commission stylist at that salon to renting that chair. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. So she um, started me off at commission and then kind of, I was kind of discouraged by a couple of girls in the salon to transition. I think they were I don't, I don't know. Looking back, I think other people's insecurities fall on 
you sometimes. And I think some of the other stylists were maybe not happy with where they were in life. So they were like kind of trying to hold me back in ways, if that makes sense. God, that's oh, totally. so annoying for me to say, but, um, but they probably didn't even in their defense, they probably had, didn't even realize that that's what they were doing. Not at all. Not at all. No, no, no. They were all, I mean, even like the one chick that I had kind of like tension with was like still nice to me on most days. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I was like, I think I'm ready to go booth rent. And actually the stylist that was closest in age to me, who I loved, um, she was the one who was like, Hannah, yes, just like be booth rent. Stop being silly. So I asked uh, the owner, I was like, can I just rent this chair from you? And she was cool about it. So um, I was, yes, renting that chair. And then I had like, I had two clients that, were interested in extensions at the time. One was a, a stylist from that area who I don't, I don't exactly remember like how, I think she was like renting a chair part-time at the salon I was at um, and would come in and out of town and just kind of do like a daily rate. But she wore extensions herself and kind of taught me, they were the keratinite tip, kind of taught me how to do them. Um, like firsthand so that I could do her extensions. Yeah. Um, like that's how we all learned yeah. to do extensions in the beginning. <laughs> she was literally like, I need someone to do my extensions and you're like the least busiest in the salon. <laughs> so I'm going to teach you. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> that's so funny, but like the most relatable thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, great. Now I do extensions. So yeah, I was like, wow, I do extensions now. And but she taught me how to remove them and how to install them and stuff. Not with any, like, any real, you know, technique or anything. But totally. I got the beginning of that. And then I had, a, I think I had one or two other clients who, this is when tapins were, like, first came on the scene. So this is, like, 2014, 15. Um, and she was, like, you know, somebody I know had tapins. Like, can you do those? And I was, like, <laughs> absolutely I can do this so then I went home and watched like five YouTube videos on how to do tapins which is all the training that you need naturally and yeah and taught myself <laughs> how to do tapins because it's not hard and I did I had a tapin two tapin clients okay and actually it was like looking back I have the pictures it's not bad like the I mean because I did color the hair and everything and like, I mean, it's with tapins, it's more just about like making the, um, the color match up. Yeah. It's going to destroy your hair either way. So it's like, whatever. So, <laughs> so I had a couple tapin clients and I was posting a lot on Instagram at this point. Um, I, I think I was like on a mission to just blow up on Instagram, like in my area, because I was at an older lady salon and I like saw how much traffic it was bringing me yeah as I was utilizing it and saw that these ladies were not getting new clients not able to raise their prices not um not growing yeah and so I just did my thing and it and it like tickled my creative like itch where I was like oh this is fun and like I'm doing something different and um, yeah, so I was just posting, I had like two or three little spots 
and that's the one that I would like go take pictures in and then just always be posting on Instagram. So, um, and then I, in that time frame, I was, so I was like starting to create a little bit of a buzz, I think locally. Yeah. On Instagram. Um, I was approached by another stylist who was opening up a salon in like literally in the same exact area. And she was like, I want you to come work at my salon. I'm going to open this. And I knew her kind of through like mutual people. Like I didn't know her real well. She was younger than me. Um, But I was like, eh, whatever. I don't know. So I was like, I'm going on vacation. It was like in the spring or summer. I was like, I will, how about I get back to you when I get back? Cause I just need to like, think about it. You know, I was in a pretty solid place, I guess. Yeah. At my, um, my old lady salon. And I was really just starting to pick up some momentum. I was an educator, you know, I was like, thought I was really starting to pick up steam. You were like the tits. Yeah. I was like, wow. I mean, I'm really successful. So I don't know if I should leave. But I mean, in reality, I guys was most likely making, I don't know, maybe $30,000 a year. Um, but, you know, I mean, that was, it was, I wasn't used to that. So that seemed like okay to me. Um, like, I remember, Haley, I was bringing home around like $230 a week. Wow. Or like maybe 300 like I, yeah, I remember that being like my, um, my like commission checks when I really started doing good. I think my booth rent was like a hundred dollars a week, maybe. Okay. Um, or a hundred dollars every two weeks. I don't remember. I think it was a hundred dollars a week. So it was like, yeah, I was not making any more than like $500 all, all together a week, but I was like bringing home half that. Yeah. Um, so sorry, I got kind of sidetracked. So I was like, wow, I was poor. Wow. Yes. Um, so this other local stylist who was younger, she hit me up again, like a month or two later. Cause I was just kind of, I didn't blow her off, but I was just kind of like, eh, I don't really know. Um, and she was like, just come stop by my salon. And I was like, okay. So I stopped by one day and it was like, unlike any other salon I'd ever seen, even on Instagram or in real life. I mean, it was just so bright and open. And um, this was like right before every salon started to be like completely bright white. Mm. Um, So she was really on the cutting edge of that, like truly. And she talked to me about um, how she had just done training in California at a salon called 901 which now most of us know who that is. That's like a really, really um, talented, massive, like compound of a salon in West Hollywood that um, really took off in that time period. Um, so she she had just done training at 901 in California. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know. I've, I've never met a stylist who's like gone out to California and trained and um I, she just had a good energy. I was like, you know, I think this is a better direction to go than like the old lady salon I was at. Yeah. But I was also really nervous because she was very young. Um, but she was doing tapins as well too. Mm-hmm. So I think that was like my connector. So I was like, okay, um, if nothing else, like we can learn from each other and 
at least I'll be around someone who is kind of going more in the direction I want to go. Totally. So, and the salon wasn't even finished at that time. It was, um, it was like, it was kind of still bare bones, but there was a, a good opportunity for me to start there. I could pick whatever chair I wanted. Um, and, and it was very close to my other salon. So it, my clients wouldn't be put out too much. Yeah. Um, so I started there and that went really, really well. And, um, it was just her and I for a long time for like, I don't know, eight or nine months, I think. And then she brought in a couple other stylists and it really, it started to build momentum in that time frame, Um, she had gone out and done training with MBR and was the one, I don't know if she introduced me to it. Cause I think I already knew about it on Instagram, but, um, when she came back, I kind of was like, oh, wow, this is like a totally different elevated thing. And she was really encouraging, um, to me too. She was like, I think, you know, this is really going to be a good thing. And, you know, of course my taping clients were like, what is she doing? Like, what yeah. is she doing now? You know? And I was like, oh, shit. So, but nobody knew what, I mean, literally, like, she went out before Haley and I went out. And, like, even when Haley and I got back from MBR training, like, still no one knew what hand-tight extensions were. Yeah, I think we were the only, I think there were, like, seven of us after we went through our training in Ohio that had gone to learn this specific method of extensions, which was, like, if you were going to learn a hand-tied method, it was, like, this one or there was one other one. Yeah. And like four of those seven people were in the salon I was in. Yeah. 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 So it was, it was, it was crazy. Um, so yeah, she was, that, that salon was really, um, instrumental to me and really, really great experience. Um, and it was kind of the opposite of what I was initially at, at my, like, I call it my old lady salon. I hate to be mean. Cause like they weren't like elderly, but they were older than me. No, uh, I, I like that we can have like the young salon and then we have yeah. the old lady salon. So yeah. I think it's a good differentiator for the purpose of storytelling. It is. Yeah. So it was the opposite of my old lady salon where um, at the new salon I was at, my young lady salon, <laughs> I was the old lady there, which I wasn't even old. I think maybe I was 30, um, but or I just turned 30 when I got there. I was the oldest one there by like five years. So like everybody else was like, you know, early twenties, mid twenties. Um, and so, you know, some of the girls had a decent amount of experience or had started right out of, um, high school. So, you know, the number of years we'd all been doing here was about the same, but I was just maturity level a little bit further along. Um, and I was also the only one with, with kids, you know, I had two kids and, um, my husband and I had just bought a house. So there was definitely just like that type of life experience and maturity that kind of um, felt different for me. But it was a good, it was a good fit for me at the time and yeah. bu- building extensions. Um, so it was me and the owner and then two other girls who went and trained together. Um, and I think I was drawn to Haley at when we went and did extension training in California because Haley, you, I, I could just tell by your energy, you were more mature. Um, and then I found out you had a kid and I was like, Oh, like this, like you're more on my level. 
and so I think I just latched on to you. you guys all know people that are listening you guys know when you just like see somebody and you're like I like them like, yeah, that. like that's my people yeah when I saw Haley I was like oh I like her um and not that the girls that I was at the young salon with I didn't like but I just didn't connect with them in a lot of ways so and I just think it's so good to have connections outside of your like immediate situation you're in mm. especially if you're not super super like solidified together like it's different if you have like a friend that you start a business with or whatever but I think if you're in a business setting like a salon and you isolate yourself to only having real connections and networks with the people inside of that salon I think you're really limiting yourself and it can really like, it can really fuck you in the end because you're isolated, you know? So when you yeah. hit a bump at that salon, um, like, who do you call? Who do you go to? Who's, who's your support system? Yeah. And I think that definitely rang true for you and I and other um, relationships and connections I made. Mm. Um, because when it was time, when I was kind of ready to leave that young girl salon, um, I like definitely had a support system outside of that salon. So mm-hmm. I knew like if I tell, you know, the owner I'm leaving and everything falls to shit and everyone hates me, like at least I won't be like completely on my own. Yeah. Um, so, and I left that salon because not because anything with them, I just think I'd outgrown it and I had to prove to myself too, that if I was going to be successful I wanted it to be on my own merit and not writing like the coattails of a successful salon, Uh which looking back, that's like full blown ego, like leading the way for me. But it did serve me because I did hold myself accountable. So at that time, it was like the peak of that salon. Like that is where everyone wanted to go. Nobody could get like any everyone in I mean the phone was just like constantly an issue and like calling people back getting back to people it was just insanity um because hair extensions were brand new and because you know there was a limited amount of stylists who were doing them and we were all super cute young vibrant stylists so it was it was just like overflowing with clients um so it would seem like the smart thing to do would do like stay there and ride that wave. But I just knew that I wanted to take my business somewhere where I didn't need like the permission or the support of this, the salon I was in and the people inside that. Hannah, I think that's such a, <clears throat> I know exactly what you're saying because I feel like that's where a lot of stylists have gotten with their methods even you know what I mean where it's like I they joined because they wanted to learn it and then they find a community of people who are trying to do the same things they want to do the same things there's success behind the brand and then it's like okay but then who am I without the brand and like what are they without me like they're going to continue on and continue to do their thing but like what is that doing for me being involved in a part of it so I think it's like just such a good metaphor and very relatable 
with needing to prove that for yourself because there's a deeper it's deeper than just like oh my ego needed to do it like yes of course you're it's partially your ego but it's also to me like that's a fair thing to want for yourself and to need to prove to yourself yeah I started to get and and that's where I mean ego (laughs) really is it is a good thing that you don't want to completely smash all the time but I started to get really scared. I, I really remember being scared that if like something beyond my control in the salon happened, what would my, what would my life look like? Like would I still have, you know, it's kind of like, I felt like I was, I don't know. I felt like I was a part of something that was so good, but it was out of my control. And that, that made me so scared, so scared. Mm. Um, because That's I knew, thing. Uh, yeah, I just knew that at least if, if I failed, I wanted to know it was, it was me failing, uh-huh. and, you know, because like, I, it, it was just terrifying to think that like one wrong move this business or brand makes. And now I put myself in a position where my own ability to make a living is taken away from me. And uh-huh. I, just, I couldn't. And that's really, you know, that was really wise of me, I think. Um, but also it was a huge risk because I didn't, I had no idea. I had built my entire extension business at this point in this salon surrounded by all this hype and um, attention and clout that this sal- this particular salon had gotten. Yeah. Um, so I knew too that there was a good chance that I wouldn't get uh, new leads or new clients or a lot of attention or eyeballs it, when I did leave this one. So it was just really, really scary. It was really scary. Um, it's so I, interesting how our brains work and yeah. how, like, cause you're like, even talking before this, you'd been saying I have had used social media. I was using Instagram to build my business at the old lady salon. I was seeing the advantages of all of those things leading up to building my business and getting new clients, you move salons and then all of a sudden you're giving the salon credit for the success that you worked for in your mind, right? Like, cause your mind is like, well, clients want to be in an extension salon. They want to be in the coolest salon that in town. And like we are in our critic and our negative self-talk and our self-doubt. If we let it run wild, those are all the things that you'll, you'll tell yourself instead of pausing and saying, I was successful in my own right before this salon. Yes, doing different services, but why is that going to change just because I'm here, just because I'm in this now, right? Like we give so much of our power away to things and people and that they don't even know that we're giving them the power. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I think looking back to maybe maybe that I'm, I maybe felt that I could, that I had stood out before my old lady salon. And I really, really liked that feeling. And I think that's what I was missing too, is knowing, mm. knowing that I could be this scrappy, resourceful, um, independent stylist who does work well with other stylists. Cause I had been into great salons, but like knowing 
that like I wasn't being as resourceful and as much of like a go-getter as I could be or I'd see myself be before yeah um and I really just was very uncomfortable with that I was very uncomfortable with living a life and building a business that I felt like was number one out of my control and number two um not I it wasn't built by me if that makes sense so at this point when you decide to leave the young girl salon what does your extension business look like are you still doing color like what does your business look like how many days a week are you working okay so I'm working four or five days a week probably probably four okay um and I'm working nights and weekends Mm -hmm. and so when we got back from extension training um in California with MBR like the first round of that they had really encouraged us to um stop working nights and weekends. And so I had started, I really, really latched onto that idea. Um, so I had started cutting my schedule back first and not working nights. And that was amazing. And then I decided pretty quickly. So we got back in like September of 2017 by December or like the beginning of 2018, I'd pretty much let go of all my cut and color clients. Um, so I had like the hardest winter ever because of course you're like, everybody wants in for the holidays and I have all these cut and color clients, but I'm also really, really leaning heavy into extensions, but never had any real hard conversations with clients. Yeah. And so I'm like having to just cut all these people off and just be like, this is what I'm doing. And this is what I'm not doing anymore. So that was really rough. I also had shingles <laughs> because it, I was so stressed. Like that was like the one thing that like, Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. Yeah. I had, I got shingles on my face and couldn't work for like two weeks just because of the stress. Like the doctor that I saw at the time, I thought I had poison ivy. She was like, you're like really young and this is caused by stress. So you need to relax. Um, but yeah, I was just that, like extensions pushed you to shingles is in fucking sane. Oh, I mean, your body manifests like illness and stress. Yeah, yeah. Like literally my body was like, stop, please stop. Like that's how much stress was going on. Um, please chill out. <laughs> yeah, It's like literally you have a oozing scab on your face. So just take some time off work. Um, so yeah, I just, I mean, I just really like really ran with it. So by 2018, I had, I maybe had two or three color clients left. I wasn't doing any cuts. Um, I wasn't doing any men's cuts, no kids cuts. And and maybe I still had like a handful of, of like highlighter color clients, but like not any, like just color retouch clients. Like, yeah. It was like, you know, a balayage I would see maybe twice a year or something. Um, So, yeah, I was doing a lot of extensions, lots of extensions. And so, and I was very, I was very busy, but my prices were still all over the place. You know, I was basing my prices off of the other stylists in uh, the salon at the time. And I was, you know, like emotionally discounting a ton and I remember those days yeah and just like working myself 
ragged, you know, and like yeah. saying I wasn't doing nights and weekends, but taking my last client at like four, you know, so it's like, yeah, that is a night. Um, and didn't really have any real structure to my business like I do now to where I like have certain time slots that I take people in. Yeah. Um, but I did hire an assistant, which was a great experience at the time too. Um, just learning a lot about myself and learning how to work with an assistant. Um, so that when I went to leave that salon at the end, the very end of 2018, um, I was, I I just had some good experience and I was a little more prepared to be like a business and a brand on my own. Yeah. Um, and also knowing that I was going out on my, you know, kind of like being able to plan that out and know that I wanted to be on my own in a suite, um, that pushed me to continue to like post on Instagram and just really go hard on that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And then, uh, 2000, the beginning of 2019, I moved in to a suite on my own with an assistant and, worked probably five, four or five days a week. Um, but no weekends, no nights. So I would take like two clients a day, probably five days a week. Um, and had tons and tons and tons of new clients. Um, got to set my suite up in like a way that I just loved. That was like, that was probably just the height of, of my independence and, um, of, me really realizing like, yes, I can do this by myself. Yeah. Um, but like you kind of preach to, you know, I mean, it was, everything was on every, my whole business was Instagram. My assistant at that time was really great about, um, taking like little videos and pictures during the day of me actually working. So that was super helpful, um, to be able to just constantly have something going like on my stories and on my feed on Instagram. Um, But I was working really, really hard after work, before work on the weekends to, you know, have updated posts um, and just stay on top of things. And that I was that was a lot of fear driven. Totally. You know, Um, I didn't really have as much business sense, obviously, as I do like to this day. So just a lot of like shots in the dark. kind of. Yeah, yeah. Um, but another thing besides Instagram that really helped me kind of stand out and stay relevant too, is because I had done all that session styling with, um, different stylists and met different photographers too. I had a great network of professional photographers in my area. So I really went hard and stayed on top of doing like lifestyle and like in salon photo shoots, like professional, um, And that really, no one else was doing that or people weren't doing it quite as much as they are now. And, um, that helped me a lot too, because, you know, even if it was a lifestyle shoot that wasn't me doing hair, it, the message it was giving to, you know, someone who was looking at my work or any audience that I could capture was that like, I take myself serious, um, as like a brand and that I invest in myself, you know, so when you have these beautiful professional pictures, 
of, like I said, even if it's lifestyle pictures and you're just looking pretty or doing whatever, it's still a professional picture and it looks nicer than, you know, just a selfie of you at the beach. Totally. Um, so I, I went, I went hard on, on stuff like that because I could see it working and I could see how it was setting me apart. Um, and I don't know, that was just exciting. So I think that was one thing I really, really was glad that I did and like kind of latched onto. And I think that's stuff that stylists can even do now that maybe isn't like utilized quite a bit. Um, but I do think like in salon or lifestyle photography or photo shoots are so really, really great for uh, stylists and they're great marketing tools to have later on um like if you ever get the opportunity to I don't know to do a class or to put anything out there about yourself you can always reuse those photos you know those professional photos of you um with like a logo on top of them or whatever yeah um there was one other thing I was gonna say but I can't remember um so anyways, yeah, I, I just was cranking out as much live, like in real time Instagram content as I could, but also behind the scenes was, um, planning a lot of like professionally shot, um, photos too. So yeah. that, that was, uh, that was really, really something that I'm glad I did, um, and then right around that time too was when I started to, I started to listen to podcasts a lot and couldn't really find any like real podcasts about what we did at all. Um, some hair stuff here and there, but not like extension specific. So that's when I approached Haley and was like, Hey, you know, I love podcasts. Um, no one else is really talking about this. So yeah, that's uh, right around the time, 2018, 19 was when we started. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then, yeah, I've been in the same, I've been in the same building, but in a different suite um, since I was in 2019. So like three years now, wait, almost uh, three years. Yeah. Um, I'm in a bigger room now. That's a double suite. And um yeah, I work without an assistant now. I just found I've had two assistants and I've found um, over time working with them that I work just as efficiently, if not more efficiently without an assistant. Yeah. Um, and that just works for my schedule and kind of affords me some more flexibility too. Um, and obviously through my pregnancy and stuff too, I had to kind of um, ride that roller coaster um, with my, my third baby and figure out how to, um, continue to network with other stylists and, uh, just be flexible in my business. Um, but yeah, I've stayed all extensions. I've continued to get new leads. And I think a lot of that is just the, the foundation that I built, um, you know, back when I first went all extensions and even though I'm not nearly as like consistent in posting on social media now as I was in the beginning 
um, I still continue to be very like honest and real in my brand on social media. And I definitely think that has, that has kept people like in touch with me in a way. Yeah. Um, because it's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to act like I'm the person I was in 2017 building a business. Um, but also it's like, I still have to continue to build my business. So I think the best way for me is just to be honest about where I am and share things that, um, I think will be helpful to other stylists and to clients and, you know, continue to figure out like, what do I want to do next or how can I make things better? Or, you know, how can I share some of the things I've learned? So yeah, I definitely (laughs) never, ever thought I was thinking about this yesterday in the car driving. I was like, I never once could have imagined or thought like for a living, I'm going to do hair extensions. Like no way. That's just, to me, I still can't believe that's me, not in a good or bad way. I'm just like, this is really what I do. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I feel the same way, Han. Like it's one of those things I feel like it almost, I think part of it was timing and I, it was like, I don't want to say it was an accident because there were a lot of very intentional things that I did and that I know you did, but it was more just like, I'm going to ride this wave and I'm going to ride this, what direction I feel pulled to go in and just see what happens. And the thing that I've always told myself is like, I can always go back and do what I was previously doing if this doesn't work, you know? And that has been something that I just always tell myself, you know, if it's because change is scary, making new choices is scary and doing things you've never done is really scary because I think we always have that fear of failure on the other side or of it not working how we want it to but and I don't know if that's the right approach because it's like I've shared that that's my thought process with other people who are in like the personal development space or whatever where I'm like well I can just go back to what I'm doing and they're like but that's is that the right attitude? Because then you are giving yourself permission to fail. But I'm like, but that almost creates this like safety net for me. Like, even if you're miserable in what you're doing now, it's still in some way working for you, whether you hate it or not, you're still doing it. So it's like, what do you have to lose to try to, to put yourself out there? Right. I mean, I work with so many stylists who are just are afraid to have hard conversations with their clients. They're afraid to raise their prices. They're afraid to change their schedule because they picture their entire business crumbling. Like, okay, if it starts to crumble, guess what? You can go back to what you were doing last month and it's going to be fine. Like maybe those clients are going to come back, but you'll find clients to replace them. You know what I mean? So that has just been something that has always been my fallback on. And I, I agree. I, if you could have told me when I was 20 years old that this is what my life would look like right now, I probably would have laughed at you. Yeah. Yeah. And I tried to even think about, you're like, so right. It's like, I tried to think about like, what was the drive for me to even like, how did I even get here? Like, yeah, I was never super girly, never super, like, I just was not super feminine or girly. Me either. 
was little. Yeah. But I think when I think about it, I think first my, my first real passion through makeup kind of showed me like, you can literally just be very average or uh, like unassuming looking and, and do these little tweaks on, on yourself visually that like now you look like a supermodel, you know? So yeah, I think giving that feeling to other people, once I realized like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm pretty, but I'm not like, I'm not a wildly famous, good looking person. But when you put, you know, makeup on and you can do your hair and then you can like lean into a certain style, like you change as a person visually, but then you kind of allow yourself to be who you want to be in real time with your personality too. And it really does change people and it really does affect the way people live their lives. And I don't think there's a single thing wrong with that. And I don't think that's like vain or crazy in any way. I think some people that scares them and they choose not to do that, not to wear makeup or be extra in any way, which is totally fine too. But once I kind of got that initial high of like, oh my gosh, like I feel so much prettier Mm. doing my hair, doing my makeup, whatever. I couldn't go back. I couldn't not be the prettiest quote unquote version of myself. Yeah. And I was like, I have to do this for other people because like who they really want to be might be being held back by like the way they feel on the outside, you know? I I love that. I really love that. I thought hard about that yesterday because I was like, I don't really even like, I don't really even care if other people choose to be extra or not with their, you know, hair or makeup or whatever. But I do love when people lean into it because I think it's such a great like tool and such a good feeling that we have available to us. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I mean, that was really like the first initial drive is that like human aspect. And you kind of said that too, I think when you told your story is that like, I just love that that's available to women if they want to lean into it. And like, I do want to be there to help people um, just be whatever version they want to be. Yes. It's like serving. It's like feeling like you're serving a higher purpose. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, and maybe this is a podcast topic for another time because I feel like when I talk about extensions or I share my story and and you've probably gotten this too, stylists have asked, like, do you think you have to do extensions to be successful to create this like big, huge business? And my response is always absolutely not. Especially now knowing what I know now, I do think that would be a good topic to dive into later. Yeah. Um, but no, I, th- I don't. I think you can build your brand and build yourself to be, it's all an illusion. I mean, I'm not trying to be a a Debbie Downer because I don't feel Debbie Downer about this at all, but at you, anything that anyone aspires to be, I think just requires a, such an intense level of commitment to that thing. Yes. Most people just don't ever commit fully to that. And it's like, no, I decided I wanted to be a certain way in my business a year or two ago. And like, I've held on to that. And like, yeah. like, that's like a classier version of me. Yes. So, and like, you know, Haley, you decided you wanted to be 
you know, you wanted to be like a coach and mentor. And so like, that's that version of you that you held on to. And, but it requires a level of commitment and un like wavering, unwavering. No, yes. This is what I am. Yes. And then showing people that yeah. until people believe it. And it's like, even if they don't continuing to be that. Yeah. And I think we, like you and I, we didn't negotiate with ourselves too, even just with, with talking about building our extension businesses. Right. Cause it's like you get into conversations and there's a negotiation of, well, I'll just keep my color clients that I really like, or which it's like, you can do that. It's your business. It's, it's what you want to do, but it's, those are the choices that are one keeping you safe and they're keeping you, they're keeping you where you're at, which is again, that that's fine, but it's like that relentless or that unrelenting want to make that commitment that you made to yourself. I'm going to do extensions for me. I'm going to do extensions. Like it was an, it was a non-negotiable and every choice that we made up until we did that within our businesses was leading towards making that goal happen. And it was hard and it was uncomfortable, but it, it can be done. It's not necessarily going to be easy, but what we did isn't special. It's not unique to us, right? Like it, it was just an unwavering commitment to ourselves and to a choice we made and a goal we had set out for ourselves. Yeah. And being really clear with yourself too. And you have to just really stop caring about like what anyone says. I think that's the biggest thing. It certainly was for me. Is that like, I just, I, I had to let go and be like, well, if somebody wants to be like, who the fuck does she think she is? I have to just not care or answer that because like, (laughs) that's just distracting. And it's like, people who are saying things like, who do you think you are? Like, I can't believe she's acting like that or doing that. It's like, those people are not happy and not successful because if they were, they wouldn't say things like that. Well, and they're talking regardless, Yeah. right? Like they're chirping at or about you no matter what you're doing. So you may as well be successful in what you're doing and do what you want because they are going to have something to say about it regardless because that's who they are that's it at the point that they're at in their life and there's there's nothing you can do to change who they are you may as well enjoy it yeah and there's always going to be different methods different stylists different opinions and thoughts on what everyone's doing it's like you aren't gonna be able to be this massive hair extension superstar because there's gonna be somebody who doesn't like that type of extensions so like you will, that doesn't mean you're not going to have like a raving audience or a huge fan club of you personally, but like, you're going to piss some people off. Yeah. (laughs) And you're just going to not be their flavor too. Like, I can't tell you how many like people probably just either don't like me as a person or don't like my work, but like, I don't care. That's the same for you, Haley, same for anyone we know, but it's like, the point is we do have people who love me as a person who love you as a person and who are really into our work you know it's like think about how many different car makers there are not everyone's gonna love like bmws but also not everyone's gonna love like ford yeah or like even just different kinds of cars like right 
yeah but like that doesn't mean just like shut bmw down altogether because they're just a failure it's like no they have a certain audience you know right and like you know some people want a massive like pickup truck and that's not the same audience but like that's my husband's audience so like that's there's that's there you know it's like there's just different things for everyone so I think sometimes we look at the people who have a distaste for us or who don't get on board with us as a brand or our work and we like think like oh just shut the whole thing down it's like yeah don't pay attention to them yeah we give we give too much away to the silent minority and their thought we give too much credibility to them you know what I mean like the one person who's gonna say something about the reel you posted or the one person that is gonna talk about your pricing right like they're the quieter or maybe they're the louder minority you know what I mean like they're they're just obnoxious but they'll say it but not everybody feels that way most people don't most people don't and you honestly like those are the people you want to get rid of and if they're taking the time, this is something too, if they're taking the time to comment stuff, to say something, there's also more of, of a chance that they won't ever admit it maybe, but something about you, they're so irked by you because something about you is either inspiring to them, they want what you have. It's a level of jealousy, right? And it's just this, they they need to be loud because they need the attention and also it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with you. Yeah, it is. It is like, think about the type of people who write negative, hateful, nasty comments on things. Like I, can you imagine like those are not okay people like, and that's sad, but you know, like they're always going to be there though. You know what I mean? And it's like, you have to decide what you do with it. You can laugh and say, like, I actually feel really bad for you. Like, I feel really bad that that's how you have to approach life is to bring somebody else down that's not doing anything to you or they're coming at you. They're attacking you in some way. Like, when you can have sympathy for that instead, like, it it does – you approach those negative things in a whole different way where you're like, man, like, it can still irk you. It can still get under your skin, but it's like – they must really live a sad life that that's what they have to spend their time doing. And those are the kinds of things that they're putting out into the world. Imagine how miserable they are on the inside if that's what they're publicly and willingly putting out into the world. Yeah. And from a business standpoint too, it's like, I, you, it's so much better to focus your energy on the people and things that do pay your bills. You know, if somebody like that has something to say, it's like, why don't you want to pour into and hear more from and and look in the direction of either current clients or, you know, real potential clients or um, things that do kind of push you forward instead of like dealing with the maybe 1% of something that you just don't like or hurts you or someone who's trying to hurt you. You know, it's like, that's not that person's going to be that person. And it's like, they're not going to break. It's not like you're going to stop making money because that person's annoyed with you or whatever. <laughs> right. They yeah. don't like the reel you made. I would have been shut down a long time ago if that was the case. Cause oh. I annoy 
a lot of people i'm sure but like it's whatever hannah same yeah same yeah i think do you think we should just like lean into annoying people and just be like this is fun actually oh i've been taking that approach a lot of people hate my guts (laughs) i don't i don't like keep up with stuff enough but every time you say something like that i'm just like so distressed because i'm like why like I just don't get it I just it's like polarizing right like and you have to think like a lot of what I share is like I'm I'm pro the individual stylist that's the thing so I want what's best for you as the individual as the business owner as the commission stylist whatever and think of (laughs) Hannah like think of how we were when we were in MBR right like yeah I was like fuck you if you don't do MBR I hated you I thought you were a loser like I I actually thought I was better than you yeah I was that person and I think too that's where I feel like I can speak on this because I've I was that I was putting that out into the world I wasn't quite that aggressive with it but I was making insinuations and all of my posts are still there. You can scroll back in on, on my feed and see what I had to say. Like I was insinuating all of those things until it was like, I had to realize like, what am I doing? This isn't in my best interest as an individual to be, you know, building up somebody else's brand and company. Like that's not in, my best interest and this company isn't doing it back for me so what am I doing but that message is super super triggering for somebody who's just invested thousands and thousands of dollars into a community that they now feel because they're being told like you have to protect your education you have to protect your investment protect this like so of course what I'm going to say is going to piss them off and I, I hope it does but they're going to be ready to hear it and receive it when they're ready. And if it makes them mad right now, it's okay. Um, but I would bet 90% of stylists that come across my stuff that I piss off now, give it time and give it a couple of years. And they're going to be like, I know what she was talking about now. Because we all have to go through it on our own timeline. You know what I mean? I about to say, yeah, because you, you've you experienced that. Like, we were taught that. So that's like how <laughs> yeah. we live. And then, oh, so and it was silly. like, it's so silly. And it was like how I had to get, you know, everybody has to do it in their own way. Like how I had to get to the point where I was like, I have to be on my own to prove to myself in a salon, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm not, this isn't all I am or that like I am the actual brand and the actual hard work behind this. So I think everybody, like you said, comes to it in their own timeline, but um, it is definitely very triggering <laughs> before you get there. It's so triggering. I know I would have been <laughs> super triggered by me and the things that I'm talking about and saying. Um, so it's okay. Like, I don't really care. And it, at the end of the day, it doesn't, somebody being upset and mad at me, it doesn't really affect me. So I just can continue living my life and it's landing with who it needs to land with. And there's a really cool shift happening for stylists within extensions and it's really neat to see and a lot of them are like oh my gosh like I get what you're talking about now ridiculous that this is what we've done and allowed to happen and um but everybody's on their own journey that's not my place to judge or to 
you know, whatever. So it's okay if I make you mad. I, I'll accept that. I'll be that for now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, you're doing great. You are. So are you, Hanny. Oh, thanks. Thanks. I think, um, we're both just trying our hardest to, uh, be honest and like help as many people and serve our clients in the best way that, that we can without like intentionally trying to like be a dick or piss anyone off. But I think when, when you get to a certain point in your career where you're really starting to like move forward and uh, pick up momentum, I think it, that just naturally is unsettling to some people, you know? Absolutely. So Absolutely. Um, well, I'm glad that we got to retell our stories and um, yeah, I hope that maybe anybody can learn something from either one of our stories. Yeah. I, I already have somebody I want to ask to be on the podcast. Who? Um, she is actually one of my coaching clients. Okay. Um, and she, I mean, when I tell you, like, when she started working with me, she had, I think, two extension clients and is running, like, a super successful extension business now. And she is starting to educate. And it's really been neat to see her journey and, and um of that so I think her story could be really inspiring um for stylists who are like okay like Haley and Hannah you shared your story but it's still like not the same or not what I you know what I mean yeah but I think just being able to hear her story would be really cool so okay let's have her on next episode if you want yeah I'll reach out to her today and see if she'd be willing to come on and share perfect well um this has been fun and thank you guys for listening and any other like questions or suggestions or just things you want cleared up or whatever um, on the podcast, you guys can always send us DMS on Instagram and let us know. We love you guys so much. We love you and I love you and I will talk to you next time. Okay. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye.